I'd like to invite Derek Crawford up. Derek comes to us from Zion Lutheran Church in Clear Lake, one of our association partners in LCMC, and he's going to preach to us today. Uh, we're thankful to have him here this morning, and I want to pray for Derek before he gets up there. So, Lord, uh, pray this morning that you would bless Derek uh, with your wisdom and with your love. Uh, give him the words to speak uh, and the ears to hear, and Lord, um, would you speak through him and bless us with his message and his presence here this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you. First off, good morning, church. You know, uh, I also serve as our, as our youth pastor, and I maybe went a little, a little wild this week. Uh, sometimes you get into it a little bit, so I hope my voice holds this whole uh, service, but uh, maybe I'm not as young as I, as I used to be, but that's okay. Um, but I want to welcome everyone this morning, whether you're in person or joining us online. As, as he said, uh, my name is Derek Crawford, and I'm one of the pastors at Zion Lutheran Church. Uh, in Clear Lake, and I'm so happy to be here worshiping with you guys this morning. So thank you all for welcoming me and letting me be here uh, to take part in this service. Uh, but to, to provide a little background, I'm not just some uh, stranger that Andrew plucked off the street that he saw wandering around and wanted to trick into coming and providing pulpit supply. Uh, no, I am friends with both uh, Andrew and Allison. Um, Andrew actually was the person who convinced me, or tricked me again, uh, to join the Iowa District Board of the L LCMC. Uh, he also was my spiritual formation coach in seminary, like he taught one of the years uh, for our, my spiritual formation group, and he was one of the ones that helped uh, actually conduct my LCMC certification meeting. So if I'm not any good, blame him for about all of it, because <laughs> he had a big role in it. And also, I, you know, I actually went to seminary with Allison, and so we were in seminary at the same time. And I always loved when Allison was in the class, because I knew she would pay attention, so I didn't have to as much. So like if the teacher wanted to call on us, I could be like, oh, Allison's going to answer this, I won't have to worry about it quite as much. She might have been a little more prepared than I am, but... Uh, finally, uh, I also, we asked both of them to uh, officiate and run our premarital counseling uh, for me and my wife, who's in the front row here with our baby daughter. Uh, so they actually uh, came up to Clear Lake and performed our wedding and did our premarital. So uh, I actually know a lot about them, and uh, that's kind of our connection uh, between us. And so I was kind of excited when he, he reached out and asked if I wanted to preach today. I was like, awesome, you know, what are you guys talking about? He's like, money. I was like, oh. <laughs> all right. No, it didn't, that is not what the, how the conversation went. But beyond that personal connection, uh, I, do, I do hope to provide an outside perspective uh, to this current sermon series on gratitude and generosity uh, my title, my official title is the Associate Pastor of Executive Ministries, and I realize that that is a silly, silly title, but in essence, I serve as the Associate Pastor, but my main job is I oversee all ministries, including staff, volunteers, I, I'm in charge of the property and the buildings, and also our budget. And so that's kind of my main job, is to ensure that our church as a whole is good steward of our resources, that we are managing those resources both wisely and purposefully. And unfortunately, sometimes that means that I have to be the one that says no. 
that when ideas pop up, uh, when vision or ideas exceed our resources or capabilities, sometimes I have to be that one that says, hey, maybe not right now, or hey, maybe we need to earn it first, or hey, maybe we need to take these steps. And it's not always the fun job. It's not always the, it's not always the job that uh, everyone likes. Uh, and this, this past year, uh, or this, actually this time of year, it's, it's the perfect time to have this because I've been sitting down with our, with our uh, financial administrator and have been working through this year's or next year's budget for the 2024 season. And we're trying to find ways to get us fully staffed, uh, to provide staff raises, implement new ideas and visions fund all of our ministry budgets and strengthen our benevolence and meet the actual physical constraints of our properties. Trying to, trying to figure all that out, get all that worked in, and not raising the budget or not uh, going too crazy with it, all in uh, economic times that you never know what's going to happen. And so it, it can be quite challenging. I want, I want us to be good stewards. I want us to, to do a good job. You know, people work hard for their money, and we as the church, we want to honor that gift. So over the past year or so, I've actually given this topic on tithing and generosity and just money in general, I've kind of given it a great deal of thought. And it's kind of ironic uh, that this I serve as this current role at the church and that I'm preaching on this today. Um, this was a hard one for me because money has never really been a big motivator for me. It rarely affects my decision-making uh, and actually, uh, my first, I was, when I first started as the youth pastor, um, I had to meet with uh, uh, Thrivent. I had to meet with our financial provider, and they sat me down, and they're like, how much is in your bank account? And at the time, it was like a 1000 Like, it was, it was not very much. I was a, a young, uh, poor uh, youth pastor. Gave up engineering to uh, do that. It was a good financial move, everybody. Uh, <laughs> And so I was kind of, I was kind of poor, and uh, they were like, and so the, th the financial lady, she's like, so what's your plan? Like, if you lose your job, what's your, you know, what's your long-term plan? I said, well, my long-term plan is, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm thinking about marrying Taylor Swift. Uh, she's a pop star, maybe you've heard of her. Uh, and they stared at me. Like, it was not like one of those fun conversations. Like, they were serious, and they did not like my answer. Uh, but now I'm married, so she, she missed her opportunity. Uh, but, you know, and then they're like, okay, well, what happens if you do lose your job? And I was like, well, I'd sell my vehicle and move in with my grandma. And again, they just stared at me. And I'm like, I'm being serious. Like, money, money really doesn't have, uh, I, don't, I don't actually think about it very much. But despite my reluctance uh, to not worry about money, it's still such a, cru a crucial topic to discuss. It is one of those topics that can elicit several types of responses, but some of the main ones is you find it awkward to talk about. We don't want to talk about money. We don't want to talk about our finances. We don't want to talk about our worth. We don't want to talk about what we give. Or the other side of it is maybe you're, you're concerned with how the church is going to use your money. And that's kind of, that's kind of where your, your uneasy or your uncomfortable conversation starts to play. And I think both of these, or any feelings you have on it, can be very valid. Money can be difficult to talk about. And it could make people anxious, apprehensive, or even uncomfortable. And I think it's natural to uh, question a church's motive. History has shown that corruption is real. Like, it is something that has happened. And so to be uh, 
like to think about that or to make sure that you're being aware of that, that's per perfectly normal. But I do think these two ideas represent our need for a healthy dialogue. I think both of those show that it's, it is such an important thing to talk about. And I think oftentimes churches fail to address this topic, and that can, that can lead to a major disservice. So why do we even need to talk about it? Why, why even have this conversation today? The first reason is I think the Bible seems to consider it rather important. Scripture is full of wisdom and covers a variety of different topics. And some of these, one of the biggest topics is maybe prayer and faith, which is referenced over in 500 verses. Clearly, these ideas are very important. However, when it comes to money, there are more than 2,000 references about money, wealth, and how it affects you. About 40% of Jesus' parables had some connection to money. God consistently teaches us about wealth from Genesis all the way to Revelation. Because money has this strange effect on us. It has this strange temptation. On its own, there's nothing wrong with it. Money is harmless. Wealth is harmless. However, humanity, we find a way. Thank you. Sorry, that's my daughter. She's cheering for me, making sure that I, I, don't, I, don't, lose, I don't lose focus. Uh, the Bible, the Bible uh, so humanity, we always find our way to, to warp what is good or what is normal or what should be healthy, and we warp it into something, something bad. And the Bible doesn't discuss it so much because of its importance. It discusses it so much due to its ability to cause people to stumble, its ability to affect our hearts in a negative way. Money is simply a tool, but oftentimes... We view it as a treasure. We elevate its importance as something to be treasured. And this is kind of where that issue starts to come up. Unfortunately, it's very easy in this world to forget that truth. The stranglehold that people allow money to have is quite strong. And again, like I said, money, money is not bad. There's nothing wrong with it on its own. But when we start to treat it like a treasure when we give it that opportunity to kind of take hold of us, we become enslaved to it. And I felt this theme throughout, I believe in like theme of scripture, like when you're, when you're, when you're reading the Bible, I, a lot of times I feel like you get stuck on a theme and then everywhere you read, you start to hear or see that theme kind of pop up. And I felt that way about, about, uh, about money and wealth and basically anything that kind of enslaves us. That God hates that, that he hates things that held us captive, that, that hold us down, that prevents us from freely loving and worshiping him. And I think one of, money is one of those things that can hold us captive. The gospel, the gospel of Matthew highlights it in Matthew 6, 24, and I think we, we, we read it earlier, but no, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. It is hard. It is hard for us to submit to Jesus as Lord over our lives when we are devoted to other things, such as money. Jesus, Jesus teaches about money. He talks about it a lot, and he, he warns that it is hard for rich people to enter the kingdom of heaven. Because it's so easy to elevate that 
money or wealth, power, status to elevate it over serving God. It's hard to serve both. So the second reason I feel like we, we need to talk about it is that I think it can be rather confusing. I think even just the, the, the language we use, what is a tithe? You know, what are we supposed to tithe? How much am I supposed to give? What should my heart posture be when I do it? I think that can be rather confusing. And I think when we compare it to society where we're taught to chase after, to chase after wealth, to develop our nest egg, to make sure that my, ourselves and our fam families are financially secure, that we need to be in control of our lives, that, that we, we view that as being very important. So it can get confusing when it compares to ideas in Scripture where God should be the source of our control, that our trust should be in him regardless regards to everything, and that the Bible needs to be our primary resource for gaining an appropriate understanding on a subject. But I get it. I, I, I get that tension that we live in. I get that tension of wanting to make sure that we are secure, but also wanting to live a life that is generous. And I understand that the, 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 the hold that society has on us speaks volumes, and it is loud, and it is hard to, it's hard to, to, to ignore. But that's why I think we have, to, we have to confront this topic head on and without fear. And then finally, at the end of the day, the love for money has this ability to just affect our hearts. Finances are often viewed as this uh, personal and private matter that no, that's no one else's business. And I'm not here to argue with you on whether or not that's true, but I will caution every, every I, I want to caution all of you from trying to keep your finances apart from God. That this will lead to heart issues. And it goes back to that Matthew verse that we just read. And I'm not saying you need to turn to your neighbor and share your bank account information with them. That's not what I'm asking you to do. However, sometimes it can be healthy to bring on our struggles to our Christian community as a form of accountability to keep us from taking our eyes off God, to help our hearts from becoming corrupt or focusing on things apart from God. So these are some of the reasons why I think it's so important to talk about it. But let's kind of dive into it a little bit. I threw out that question earlier, what is a tithe? Let's explore that a little bit. If you're unfamiliar with that term, maybe you've heard it in church, you know, we'll now receive our tithes and our offerings. Here's a simple definition. A tithe would be one-tenth of an annual produce or earnings, formally taking like as a, as a tax for the support of the church or clergy. This is the idea of people within the congregation giving a percentage of their income to help support or often used to fund the church and all of its missions and visions. To help support the pastor, the church staff, um, to help all the stuff. I mean, you guys had a lot of uh, things happening over the next month. That was a lot of announcements. And so you have a lot of things you do. That's what, that's what, that's what this would go to help support and help encourage. And so, uh, I don't know, donations and offerings, they are essential for the workings and the life of the church. And as I prepped this message, I, I listened to a podcast uh, and it was from the Bible Project, and it was, it was on tithing of whether or not you should give 10% or not, and what the heart behind that is. And it was based on a book uh, of these two guys called God and Money. 
And it, and it truly dives in, it dove into this idea of a tithe. Because there's generally, there's generally a couple views on, on how you should tithe. That we're required by law in scripture to, to do 10%. I think that's probably the most general one you'll hear in churches across America is that. And then the other one should be, it's not about the law, it's not about the requirement, it's about giving generously from the heart. Well, this whole book was about these two guys that made a lot of money, way more than I'm going to ever make, but they made a lot of money and uh, they went through this, this, like basically this spiritual crisis and they had to decide, you know, even though they were giving their 10%, were they being obedient, were there, was their hearts being obedient to God's call on their life? And it was exploring that. And at times it was very painful for them. And they, and they didn't want to go down the, the path or the route that it felt like God was leading them. And so it's actually, it was very interesting uh, at how they got to their conclusion. But I'm not actually worried too much about that. But I think it, they dove into what, this, what it looks like for tithing. And I think, it, I think it's pretty cool. I think they get to the realization that they don't personally believe that it needs to be 10%. Uh, but again, that's not, the, that's not the point of what I'm getting at. They, they start by exploring uh, different types of tithes in the Old Testament. With the Mosaic Law, God first delivers commandments regarding wealth and giving. And the average Israelite in the Old Testament was commanded to give in three distinct tithes. The Levitical tithe, which we read in, November, or in Numbers 18, verses 20 through 24, which is a, a 10% tithe to the Levites. The Lord said to Aaron, you will have no inheritance in the land, nor will you have any share among them. I am your share and your inheritance among the Israelites. I give to the Levites all the tithes in Israel as their inheritance to re in return for what they do while serving at the tent of meeting. Very similar to like a pastor or very similar to basically the, the person leading uh, in that tent of meeting. The next one would be a, a festival tithe. In Deuteronomy 12, 17 through 19, you see it in 14, 22 through 27, and in 26, 10 through 16, which is a 10% tithe to the host, the feast of, of the tabernacle. Um, this goes with, be sure to set aside a tenth of all of your field's produce each year. Eat, eat the tithe of your grain, the new wine, and olive oil, and the firstborn of your herds and the flocks, in the presence of the Lord your God, at the place he will choose as a dwelling for his name, so that you may learn to revere the Lord your God always. And then the last one was a, a, a charity tithe. Ten percent tithe offered every three years to support foreigners, orphans, and widows. At the end of every three years, bring all the tithes that, that year's produce and store it in your towns so that the Levites, who have no allotment or inheritance of their own, and the foreigners, the fatherless, and the widows who live in your towns may come and eat and be satisfied and so that the Lord your God may bless you in all the works of your hands. Now, what this book kind of claimed is that all these amounts kind of combined together to roughly 23% of your income. Like I said, the common church practice seems to be 10% range. And so that kind of that leads to that big question. How should we live out these Old Testament passages? Does this mean that I'm required to tithe? Like I said, the authors of the book do not believe that the 10% income is a requirement. They believe it's a respectable starting point for Christians seeking to honor God through generosity. 
However, they don't believe that it is a requirement. They think that you should be giving at least, if you're going to follow the law to its specific, that it should be the 23%. And then you move on to the New Testament, and you see that neither Jesus, Paul, nor any of the New Testament writers specifically command Christians to tithe in that 10% manner. The New Testament offers a great deal of instruction on giving, but the core message is rather than following a strict formula that Christians' give, giving should be an exhibit of a set of qualitative traits that honor God's character. What is God concerned about? What is God love? What, where is God's heart? That that's where your generosity, that's where your giving should be. Now again, this is only one book and this is one set of authors and I'm not trying to push that upon you, but I do want you to, I want you to be thinking, what does it mean for us? Why does it matter so much? And I personally, you know, I personally... I, I don't, I don't, to me, it doesn't matter whether you adhere to that 10% or not, but it is abundantly clear in Scripture that it is assumed that God's people, all of us, Old Testament and New, are giving and striving to do so generously from our hearts. Because I believe that's what Scripture is trying to do. I believe Scripture is trying to protect our hearts. And that our generosity should flow from our creator. That God created a world of abundance and he pushes against that notion, that every notion that enslaves our hearts. And this goes beyond just our love of money. God wants us to be free to love, worship, and follow him. He wants us to put our trust in his abundance. And not put our fear in scarcity. Jesus lived, in a, lived through a time of scarcity, through poverty, through a lot of different things. So when he talks about abundance, when he talks about putting our faith in God, it's not that he didn't know, he didn't just say that poverty wasn't real. He knew it, he lived it, he experienced it. He understood it. So in my study, in my research, and, and what I've found, I, I find that there's these I want to present with you guys, and they'll go real fast, I promise, uh, seven fundamental principles about giving in the Bible. And the first one is this. Everything we own actually belongs to God. Everything. When we view our resources from God and that they are from God and for God, it changes how we view tithing, generosity, and the management of resources that God has entrusted in us. Leviticus 27.30 says this, A tithe of everything from the land, whether grain from the soil or fruit from the trees, belongs to the Lord. It is holy to the Lord. The second thing is this, Our wealth possession should be used for God's purposes. It's not just, it's not just whether or not you should give 10%. It's not whether about it should be, uh, do you hold off, do you give more? I think that I think this is it's more important about are we being generous to the things that God cares about? Are we giving our 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 everything? And I don't again, I don't just mean money, I don't just mean I mean our time, our energy, our heart, everything should be going towards God's purpose, per, towards his will, towards his path. Number 3. This is the one we talked about earlier. Wealth is like dynamite with great potential for both good and for harm. Again, money can be a wonderful resource. 
like I said, the church life, everything about it, like everything we do is funded by money. It by itself is not a problem, but it has such a dangerous hold that when we, when we succumb to that, when we, when we let it control our, our lives, it can be very dangerous. Number four, worldly wealth is fleeting and heavenly treasure is eternal. I remember in confirmation, this is the verse, to me, was the easiest one to memorize. We had to, we had to memorize verses, and they sat us in a chair up here, and we had to, and they would just name a verse, and we'd have to say it uh, in front of the entire church. It was terrifying. Uh, but anyway, this is the one I, I remember, I remember I was able to do very well. But Matthew 6, 19 through 24, uh, I'll just read the first part, though. Do not store up for yourselves treasure on earth where moths and vermin destroy, where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasure in heaven where moths and vermins do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Number five, giving generously to the poor is a moral duty in a fallen world. I think if you if you look at the if you look at scripture, there's no way you could you can come out of it and not feel like there is a a moral obligation to help God's people, to help the people around you, your neighbors, uh, when they are in need. And I think that ties in back into the church uh, that we have to be that in the world. And so I think that is a that is a a, a big part of that as well. Number six, giving should be voluntary generous, cheerful, and needs-based. You know, when I first heard I was going to be doing a, a tithing, you know, it's easy to, to go into it and be like, oh, one more time we have to talk about money. But this is something God cares about. This is something that, that God finds so important that he uses to, to, to help his people. Like giving generously, to, be, to having a generous heart is getting to know God, to doing it freely and to make that be an expression of who you are is so important to knowing who God is. Number seven, uh, giving generously breaks down the power money has on us. Revelation 3.17, you say I am rich, I have acquired wealth and do not need a thing. But you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. Wealth, power, and influence can blind us. Though it might feel like freedom, we are actually being held captive by the love of money. Greed is such a powerful emotion. Being like our generous host, though, breaks us free from that prison. So, what does all this mean for us today? I want to read our main verse one more time, uh, the widow's offering, Luke 21, 1 through 6. As Jesus looked up, he saw the rich putting their gifts into the temple treasury. He also saw a poor woman put in two very small copper coins. Truly, truly I tell you, he said, this poor widow has put in more than all the others. All these people gave their gifts out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in all that she had to live on. We see within God's law that his heart is for the mission of the church and its people. He wants to provide support for the pastors and the staff. He wants to fund the mission of the church. He wants us to care for those who are in need. 
God is generous, and we too are called to be that same. This isn't really about money at all. This isn't about how much you tithe. This isn't about any of that. This is, this is truly about examining our own hearts and seeing where is God moving us? Where is God wanting us to be so generous that people look at us and think, man, his hope is in something different. His hope is in something more. I think we can, so, we can get so distracted by even talking about money that we forget that that's the heart behind it. How are we being generous with our, with our time, with our money, with our relationship? I used to be so free with my time. Like, as, a, as, a, as a single person, I had no problem giving all my time, all my energies to the church. But now that I have a wife and I have a kid, you know, that currency is a lot, has a lot more value than it did a year or two ago. So how is God asking me to, to spend that currency? Where is he leading me? And I, I think these are the questions we have to ask each and every one of, like we have to ask ourselves today. This isn't about giving more money. This isn't about any of that. Where is God taking hold of your heart? What is he trying to break you free from? Where is he asking you to be more generous so that you can reflect the generosity that he gave to the world through his son, Jesus Christ, when he died on the cross? Because that's where I want us to end. I want us to have, I, need, I want our hearts to be on fire for God, that we are obedient to his will and for his direction on our lives. Would you guys pray with me? Uh, dear Heavenly Father, uh, Lord, I know this is, is such a weird topic, and uh, there's so much to say about it. You know, uh, I wanted to preach for, you know, an hour, but, you know, I, that's too much. And so, Lord, I just know that any gaps that I miss, Lord, I just ask that you, uh, you speak to each and every one of the people in this room, that you show them what your generosity looks like and how they can reflect that generosity into the world. So, Lord, we love you, we praise you, and it's in your powerful name we pray. Amen.